This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour One. Greetings and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. I hope you're having a lovely, lovely day. The phone number, 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program at this time tomorrow, Governor Ron DeSantis will be joining me uh, on the radio. He is kicking off his presidential campaign this evening. He's going to do it a little differently. I have done one of these for most of the prominent Republicans who have entered the race, and I want to spend time now on DeSantis in the same way I have done with Haley and Scott and Pence. Uh, The irony is of Pence, who is not yet declared but appears likely, of Haley and Scott and DeSantis, the only one I don't know is Ron DeSantis. I have talked to Ron DeSantis one time in my life, uh, and that was here with you when his book came out. Um, I, um, I, I, I otherwise don't know him. Uh, Mike Pence and Nikki Haley, very good friends of mine. Uh, Tim Scott has gotten to be a friend over the years. Know a lot of people on Tim Scott's staff who are dear friends. Don't really know anyone on the DeSantis team either. But it is safe to say I think nationally DeSantis is the most intriguing candidate in the eyes of the press and much of the base. He's the one outside of Trump who really shows up in the polling, and he is set to launch his campaign tonight at 6 p.m. on, of all things, Twitter. Uh, Vanity Fair had a complete meltdown. I'm not kidding you. This is the headline from Vanity Fair announcing this. Uh, Report, colon. Ron DeSantis will formally announce his 2024 bid with Elon Musk. Because apparently David Duke wasn't available. That's that's true. That's that's the headline. Um, essentially claiming that this is some sort of neo-Nazi front. Yes, we're going there. That's what they're doing. Uh, Bess Levin is the political correspondent for Vanity Fair. And um, I I have, I got no idea why she decided to go that route other than she's a broken member of the left. Who doesn't like Elon Musk or Ron DeSantis? You know, uh, Glenn Youngkins, uh, someone from his campaign put out a tweet yesterday. It was actually a series of tweets on why he thinks 
Ron DeSantis would announce his campaign in a Twitter space where only about 3% of Americans regularly engage and do so with Elon Musk. Now, so that you understand, there are a lot of people saying, well, he's too online. This is like Elizabeth Warren. I've seen some rather cheap political attacks on DeSantis. Remember, Donald Trump was huge because Donald Trump was on Twitter and could could drive the narrative. And now it's Elon Musk. And they're like, oh, he's too online. It's like Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren, her campaign ran into, into the ground because she was always caring about Twitter. And he's too online. For perspective, Ron DeSantis at 6 p.m. will join Elon Musk on Twitter. Then he will move to Mark Levin's radio program. Then he will move to Trey Gowdy's TV show on Fox News. Then he will move to a teletown hall on telephones. And then tomorrow he will be with me on radio at noon. He's hitting everything, TV, radio, telephone, the Internet. He's doing it all, multiple platforms. The idea that he's too online, they're just trying to come up with stuff to throw at him. And this is the reason why. If you haven't picked up on it yet, the media really does want Donald Trump to be the Republican nominee for two reasons. One, just like in 2022, where the Democrats helped shape the Republican field and uh, helped get candidates the Republican nomination that they thought would be easiest to beat. The media thinks that Donald Trump will be easier to beat than Ron DeSantis and therefore wants Donald Trump to be the nominee. Also, the media cashed in on Donald Trump. They had this sick symbiotic relationship with Donald Trump. CNN's ratings were up. MSNBC's ratings were up. The New York Times and the Washington Post had record numbers of subscribers. Donald Trump was good for their business. They don't care about the country. They care about their profit. All the while attacking greedy profiteers in America, they care about their profit. And so by platforming and elevating Donald Trump, the American press thinks it's good for business. It's good for their business, and they think he's easier to beat. Therefore, they want to help Donald Trump, which means they are throwing everything they can at Ron DeSantis to stop him. Donald Trump, too, is clearly scared of Ron DeSantis, more so than any other candidate entering the race. Now, again... I'm friends with many of these people, but I do find it notable that Donald Trump has spent more money trying to stop Ron DeSantis from becoming a candidate than he spent to help all Republicans or hurt all Democrats combined in 2022. As of two days ago, Donald Trump had spent more money targeting Ron DeSantis than he spent in all of 2022 to stop the Democrats. Why? Why? You do have to ask yourself that uh, when when you come forward and, and try to figure out what's going on in 2024. You may not be a DeSantis person. You may be a Trump person. You may be a Pence person. Uh, you may be a, a Haley person. You may be a Scott person. You may be an anybody but DeSantis person. You may be agnostic. You may be for Asa Hutchinson. But you should ask yourself, why is Trump and the media together doing everything they can to stop DeSantis? Because they think he has the most formidable operation. And I think that's true. The reason DeSantis delayed his entry is becoming increasingly apparent. One, it allowed everybody to work everything out of their system. There was no way DeSantis could meet the expectations set for him in January, February. He was riding high, dominating Trump. There was no way he was going to meet those expectations. He could hide behind the fact that the Florida legislature was going to meet, 
and he's governor, and he pledged to get through that before he did anything. And in the process, the expectations for DeSantis began to crater, and in fact, now he's behind Trump in the polls. The expectations for him are pretty low. Remember what happened, what, a week ago, two weeks ago in Iowa? DeSantis showed up in in Cedar Rapids, Iowa for an event. Donald Trump was supposed to go to Des Moines. The weather was going to be bad. There weren't a lot of people at the Trump event, so he bailed on the event, and DeSantis pivoted and went to Des Moines. And people were like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe DeSantis would do that. He's so spry and nimble on his feet. I thought this guy was out to lunch and not very good. Turns out he knew what he was doing. It gave a little hint to the fact that to a degree, and it wasn't all intentional and it wasn't all by design, but to a degree, the DeSantis team allowed his expectations to crater. So now if he, just by pivoting and going to Des Moines, he beat expectations. By coming out, if he doesn't make a stumble, he beats expectations. And what we know now about his campaign is multifaceted. We have a lot of details now about where this goes. As I told you, the big issue is DeSantis's campaign intends to come out pretty much fully formed. His allies are already committing $200 million to beat Donald Trump. The effort is an on-the-ground organizing operation that will hire more than 2,600 field organizers. This is run by my friend Ken Cuccinelli and his super PAC never back down. Not all the details are out there, and much of it they now can't coordinate with DeSantis because the super PAC can't coordinate. So essentially, for those of you who don't understand, there are, there are two groups out there. There are campaign committees. Campaign committees are managed by candidates. They are how the candidate gets elected. But candidates can bless a super PAC and say, uh, this is the super PAC you should do business with. Once that super PAC is set up, it can get unlimited funds. You, if you were capable, could write a billion-dollar check to a super PAC. You cannot talk to the candidate. You cannot coordinate with the candidate. You cannot do anything with the candidate. But you can run all sorts of ads for the candidate. You can do grassroots ground gaming for the candidate. All these sorts of things. $80 $80 million Ron DeSantis had in a bank account for a pack in Florida. It's being transferred to never back down. He will have more money coming into this race than any of the other Republican candidates, including Donald Trump. Never Back Down is taking on a lot of the tasks. They're securing endorsements in early primary states. They're sending mailers. They're organizing on campuses. They're running television ads. They're raising small donations for the campaign in an escrow account. They're working behind the scenes to build crowds for the governor's events. They're hiring in 18 states. This is a level of operation for a super PAC that has not been seen before on the Republican side. Democrats have done this. Republicans have not. But wait, it goes beyond that. They're also already training staff. David Drucker at the dispatch notes what's going on here. Never Back Down has already knocked on 26,919 likely caucus goers' doors in Iowa. They have 30 paid political operatives to run grassroots and voter turnout in Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, and Nevada already, with more staff hires 
pending in Super Tuesday states that will vote in March. This doesn't include the paid door knocker program. They're also doing field operation training programs in Des Moines for all paid door knockers, which the group estimates now double triple digits. So hundreds of door knockers being trained. They will go to Des Moines and they will be housed and they will be trained on how to do door knocking and they will be deployed throughout Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, and Nevada. In fact, the most recent class of graduates who've gone through a multi-day program on how to do it effectively will then be deployed to New Hampshire to start knocking on doors. By the time the votes roll around in January and February of next year, Never Back Down's Super PAC door knockers committed to Ron DeSantis will have knocked on doors at least four times in the early states. And that goes beyond what Ron DeSantis himself is already doing. When DeSantis announces tonight, he'll spend time doing media hits tomorrow, and then he will bunker down for Memorial Day weekend with his family. He's not going to do a traditional formal rollout. You know, Nikki Haley, I went over to Charleston, South Carolina for her big event. Tim Scott had his event in South Carolina. Uh, You've got these big announcement events for these candidates. DeSantis isn't doing that. He doesn't think he needs it. He's going to Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, South Carolina. He's going to do a tour, and he's going to have big events in those states. He's not going to do the formal speech announcing his candidacy. He'll do it tonight. He'll do it tomorrow with me here on the radio at noon. He will do it across talk rate, conservative talk radio and television. He'll be on Newsmax, I'm sure. He'll be on Fox News. And then he'll go hit the ground running. Republicans, are you ready to rumble? Your primary is forming before your eyes. The guy everyone has been waiting for to get into the race is getting into the race at 6 p.m. today. And yes, it changes a lot of things. It does. And it changes them perhaps more than the other candidates. I'll spend time on the other candidates. But the reality is, and the truth is, and it's not meant to disparage any of them. And again, they're my, they are literally friends of mine. But the reality for all of them and us is that everyone has been waiting to see what Ron DeSantis did. And there have been a series of stories, many of them unsourced, claiming people had knowledge of what DeSantis was doing or not doing. There have been many stories unsourced on what the donors were or were not doing. The Trump campaign clearly fell into a trap. And this is perhaps the biggest takeaway you've got to understand about the Trump campaign compared to Ron DeSantis. The Trump campaign clearly fell into a trap Ron DeSantis helped set. They, the DeSantis team, allowed the Trump campaign to set the narrative for Ron DeSantis with members of the media on what he would or would not do. And now all DeSantis has to do is come out and defy that narrative and will look far more polished and confident The Trump team told everyone he was not good on the ground, he was not good with people, he would not be good with donors, he would not have lots of endorsements, uh, he would be standoffish. The Trump campaign said all of these things, and all DeSantis now has to do is not do those things. And he changes the media narrative to a way he controls it. The Trump campaign took the bait, the media helped them, and out of the gate now, ready to rumble, here comes Ron DeSantis defying all the expectations he allowed the Trump campaign to set for Ron DeSantis. Not a bad stroke of genius out of the gate for this campaign to get started. And now they'll have even more money than Trump.
Hi there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. I want to spend one more moment uh, on just one random piece of trivia, I guess, about campaigns. You are going to hear more and more about super PACs. A super PAC, a PAC is a political action committee. It is an entity guided by federal law to raise money for candidates. It used to be that PACs were entities which could get limited dollars from uh, organizations and people and help various candidates or causes. But after the Citizens United decision and other decisions from the Supreme Court and changes in the law, uh, they gave rise to super PACs where you can have an individual spend unlimited funds on a cause or candidate they care about. And typically what now happens is that candidates sanction or bless a particular super PAC and say, this is the one you should do business with. The reason they do that is because a lot of PACs rise and claim to support particular candidates and you can get scammed. The grifters have a field day come at you saying we support candidate X and you do too, give us money and you get ripped off. So the candidates tend to come out and say, actually, don't do business with that one, do business with this one. And then the super PAC is not allowed to coordinate with the candidate. They can't talk privately, and that's the key. They can talk publicly. So, for example, the super PAC can announce uh, our public poll says X, Y, and Z and put it on Twitter, and the candidate gets it. The candidate goes on YouTube and puts a bunch of B-roll footage of him walking around in high definition that the Super PAC then uses for ads. So there are ways they work together without talking directly to each other. And the Super PAC can get unlimited funds while the campaign committee can only get a limited amount per person, no corporations, guided by federal law. They've become a big deal these days. Now... What's also a big deal is the stock market. I don't know if you heard, but uh, interest rates are probably still going to go up several more times this year. According to Federal Reserve governors, you probably want to think about using gold and silver in your retirement. 800-450-2566 is Advantage Gold's number if you want to talk to them. They have the top people selling gold and silver. They've got a fantastic IRA department. They can give you their free gold IRA investment kit that tells you how to comply with IRS rules. You cannot buy gold and silver and just keep it in your jewelry box and say it's part of my IRA. There are rules that govern how you have to use them, and Advantage Gold can teach you them very straightforward, no gimmicks, truthfully, and give you the best deals on gold and silver. 800-450-2566 is their number. Call them, tell them I sent you, 800-450-2566. If you are at all interested in using gold or silver, other precious metals, for your retirement portfolio, you can get them from Advantage Gold and learn how to use them for retirement or general investing purposes, 800-450-2566. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. I want to play you this clip from Josh Barrow. He's a political pundit, was on CNN, makes a point. Well, I've been making it as well. I think there is a question among some Republicans, though, of whether waiting cost him, because we've seen how in the months since he had that, he soared to reelection. 
he's sunk in the polls, something that Trump points out in every chance he can. Well, and, and Trump has been campaigning during that period, whereas Ron DeSantis has been governor in Florida and has obviously this shadow campaign. But I think there's been a disadvantage that he is not out there forth, forthrightly making the case for why he ought to be the Republican nominee for president. I'm going to be very interested to see. I mean, you know, he he is not the front runner in this race. Donald Trump is the front runner in this race. And so at some point, he's going to have to make the forthright case about why Donald Trump should not be the Republican nominee. He's been sort of oblique about that. And he talks about, I'm a winner, without really saying Trump's a loser, even though that's supposed to be the implication. So at some point, you know, he has to make the argument, why not nominate Donald Trump again? There is a way to do that without attacking him from the left. Uh, and I don't think we've really seen that attack tried out. I mean, basically, I expect he'll, he'll try to make Anthony Fauci Donald Trump's running mate, basically saying all the stuff you didn't like during COVID, that stuff started in 2020 on Donald Trump's watch when I was doing something different. So I think, you know, we'll see the, the extent to which that case resonates. I don't think we've seen him make it full yet. Yeah, listen, um, I, I think that there is a way to deal with Donald Trump. Uh, one of the things that has struck me in the last couple of weeks is the way the other candidates have used kid gloves on Trump. For example, the E. Jean Carroll stuff. Whether And I don't think Donald Trump raped this woman. But he also knew her. He denied it, and there's pictures of them together. He may not remember it, but he's been very adamant even after the pictures came out. He, he never met her, and here are these pictures. Um, there, but everyone's like, oh, no, the jury didn't find that that he raped her. Yeah, but they found other things, and, and he's got to pay money. Um, there are there are ways to deal with Trump where you go after his record as president. You take the Tucker Carlson approach that we really didn't get all the grand and glorious things we thought we were getting with him. Uh, as, as Tucker Carlson pointed out, he kind of kind of didn't deliver other than temporary furic victories. Uh, you go after him for Dr. Fauci. You go after him for shutdowns. You go after him for attacking people like Brian Kemp and Ron DeSantis for reopening their states and reopening schools. There are ways to deal with Trump respectfully, but also notably noting the policy failures that we expected to get. Where is that wall that he said Mexico was going to build? But what about the other candidates? DeSantis is sucking the oxygen out of the room. I think everybody knew DeSantis would suck the oxygen out of the room for a little while. Uh, people have been building up and attacking him, planning their attacks, knowing this was coming. Uh, the media headlines against DeSantis over the past three weeks to a month have been decidedly negative. Uh, there's a lot of bullying from the press as well. You do have to understand that uh, the DeSantis team made a constant, consistent, conscientious effort to avoid talking to members of the media. They don't like the press and they don't think they need the press. And the reality is when you engage the press, all they care about is the Trump feud and the Trump rivalry, and they want to ask about Trump. They don't want to ask, ask about your policies. This was the staffer for Glenn Youngkin. What he put out, and it made a lot of sense, is that Glenn Youngkin did one press conference when running for governor of Virginia. And at that press conference, the only thing the media cared about was Donald Trump. So they stopped having press conferences. They did ads and they did events. And it worked. You don't have to deal with the press. Now, the other candidates are dealing more with the press. And what of the other candidates? The Wall Street Journal has a piece out on Tim Scott uh, running for president. And the headline for this piece 
about Scott is Tim Scott bets personal story will boost long shot 2024 White House bid. The 54-year-old South Carolina senator officially announced his presidential bid Monday. To prepare for his long-shot run, he has visited states that will be key to deciding the GOP nomination as part of a Faith in America tour, a reference to his evangelical Christian faith. Scott's the only black Republican in the Senate, says his ascent to Congress makes him the candidate most equipped to speak to the American dream. Scott has so far negligible support with GOP primary voters. When he's included in polls, he registers in the low single digits compared with Trump. Trump's next closest rival is Ron DeSantis. South Dakota Senator John Thune, the number two Republican in the Senate, endorsed Scott on Monday. Scott is a strong fundraiser and starts with $22 million cash on hand, reserved nearly $6 million of ads in Iowa and New Hampshire. Trump has $14 million on hand. So keep that in mind as well. There is a noticeable issue here that some of these candidates have more money than Trump. Trump's fundraising hasn't been fantastic. But what of them? Let me, let me deal with them. First, let, let's deal with Tim Scott. A lot of people like Tim Scott. In fact, if there's a negative, ironically, because people are cynical. Y'all know how people are cynical. Oh, this guy's so nice. There must be something wrong with him. Nobody's going to vote for this guy. He won't throw a punch. There is, it's just kind of sad and, and, a, and an indictment on our society that people look at Tim Scott and they say, he's too nice to be president of the United States. Don't you want, everybody says they want the nice guy, but they don't really want the nice guy. But Tim Scott is very nice. And Tim Scott does have a message of American success. He is descended from slaves and represents South Carolina, where the Civil War started, in the United States Senate. Before that, he represented Charleston and Fort Sumter in the House of Representatives. Tim Scott is a, a guy on the move, and he's guided by his faith. The problem is, for all of these candidates, including Scott, that DeSantis and Trump kind of dominate the conversation. So they're going to have to find a way to dominate the conversation, or they're going to have to take the Matt Bevel strategy. Matt Bevel is the governor of Kentucky, and he got the Republican nomination because the first and second place guys beat the hell out of each other. People were so exhausted by the nastiness of it, they killed off each other, and Bevel won, the third place guy. Bevin, not Bevel. Bevin, Matt Bevin. He won because the first and second place guys destroyed each other. So you could do that, but who's it going to be? You got Scott, and then you got Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley and Mike Pence together, I have known them a very long time, and I just adore them. They're actual family friends. Uh, I genuinely like them tremendously. And Nikki Haley decided to jump out of the gate early, and she's worked very hard to get the support of uh, the foreign policy establishment, particularly the Jewish Republican Alliance, because uh, they care deeply about foreign policy. She was the UN ambassador. She's got street cred on that front, but she's also got a hell of a track record as governor of South Carolina. She was small government and free market. When Boeing, she was on the board of Boeing after she left, and when Boeing got a bunch of government subsidies, she quit. She got off the board. She opposed the subsidies. Nikki Haley believes in small government and free markets and balanced budgets. 
So while she has the foreign policy street cred, she's also very, very good on fiscal issues. Small government, conservative-oriented. She's got a compelling message. Her daughter is recently married. Her husband was in the military, has served abroad while she was governor. One of, one of my favorite Nikki Haley stories is when she's governor. I remember when this happened, when her kids were both still young. It was within the first couple of weeks of being governor, moving into the governor's mansion. They moved her out of her home. They put her in the governor's mansion. She locked herself out of the house. She was, was late, scrambling, getting the kids off to school, ran out the door with them. <laughs> she was in her bathrobe, if I remember right, getting the kids out the door to school and locked herself out of the governor's mansion. I mean, she's a mom. But she's a mom who also is a wife, who also was a uh, state legislator, who became a governor, who became a United Nations ambassador, who's from a family of immigrants. She has, like Tim Scott, a compelling American stories. Where he's the descendant of slaves, she's the descendant of immigrants who themselves took advantage of the American dream, who do not hate the country, who went to South Carolina, like Tim Scott. Their skin color is not white. They dealt with racism. They did not allow that racism to define themselves. They made inroads into their community, like in Jeremiah 29, they sought the welfare of their community, and there they found their welfare. There they found their success. The people of their community loved them. Her mom, for a while, was a school teacher, became a, um, a, ran a shop. She and Nikki and her dad, I think, were both accountants. She's got one heck of an American success story. She can sell that story, and Scott can sell his personal story, and those are compelling stories. Non-white Republican major party candidates, a U.S. senator, a U.N. ambassador in the Republican Party, that's a message for them to tell. But they got to be able to raise the money to do it, and they're going to compete for fundraising, not just against Trump, not just against DeSantis, but also against... More likely than not, Mike Pence. And again, friend. Mike Pence was a radio show talk show host. Now, every time I see him, in fact, we we were together a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we went to church together. And every time we see each other, he says, how are your ratings doing? He's, he's always, he wants to know about the ratings. He wants to know about the markets I'm in. He wants to know about my wife. To give you a sense of, of a guy that Mike Pence is. Y'all know, two weeks ago, Christy had her lung scans. So it was three weeks ago that I was with uh, the vice president. And he pulled me into a room just for me and and my daughter to talk to him. And he said, Christy scans have got to be coming up. And I had forgotten they were coming up. I tend to repress it. And I said, yeah, they got to be coming up soon. He's like, they must be in the next couple of weeks. I said, well, how do you know? He says, well, because I, I keep it on my calendar to pray for, right? It's every three months we keep it on the calendar to pray for. So it's got to be coming up, been praying for. And I mean, that 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 is the sort of guy that he is. He and his wife are. They are just salt of the earth people, guided by his faith. Mike Pence has a more difficult challenge than any of these other candidates. Nikki Haley has the same challenge to a degree, although I think with Pence it's more. How do you convince people to vote for you instead of your boss? If you're running against Trump, why you, not him? Why should you go for you as opposed to the guy who made you, you, vice president? Now, Pence is his old man, and I don't mean that disrespectfully. You get what I mean. He became vice president because Donald Trump picked him, and we don't refer to him now as Governor Pence. He was governor of Indiana. We refer to him as Vice President Pence, and who was he vice president for? Donald Trump. So he's got to he's got to be able to sell that. 
Pence has an evangelical base that adores him. He has developed friendships over the years with pastors, with congregants. He knows Iowa. He knows the grassroots. He knows the evangelical leaders. But he's got to make his case that it's his turn, his time, him, not his boss. And I I think he's got a tough case in that regard. But gosh, I just, I profoundly, profoundly think so highly of the man. He would be a great president. He would genuinely be someone we could go to sleep at night knowing we have a good man in charge. But he's got to be able to make that case to the voters. All of them have cases they've got to make. Scott has no executive experience. Haley has executive experience but worked for Trump, so why her, not him? Same with Pence, who's got executive experience. And then they all stand, honestly, according to the polling in the shadow of Ron DeSantis, who will come into the race with more money than any of them. In fact, I do think more money than all of them combined when you take into account his super PAC as well. And many of them, ironically, including Tim Scott, who just entered the race, has more money than Donald Trump. And so that leads you to the other issue of Donald Trump and how does he run for office when he's still got to spend all of his money on his legal bills and more indictments might be coming? I mean, this race is not a done deal, and they all have opportunities to shine in various ways if they can and get out from under the shadow of the Trump-DeSantis primary. Now, I got to tell you about the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. This week is the BOGO. It's buy one, get one free. So if you buy an Eden Pure Thunderstorm, you're going to get one for free. You buy two, you get two for free. You buy three, you get three. You understand what I'm saying here? So you go to EdenPureDeals.com and you put in the discount code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, and you will get an Eden Pure Thunderstorm. You use the BOGO uh, code, which is just my name, Eric, and you buy one, you get one for free. They wipe out odors. This is why I travel with them. I keep one in my travel bag. They're small. I can hold it in my hand. They plug into the wall. They use a, uh, they're filterless, so they use an electrostatic plate instead of a filter, so you don't have to get a subscription for the filters. It pulls out the dust, it pulls out the pollen, and it wipes out the odors. They're fantastic. Buy one, get one free. EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code is Eric, E-R-I-C-K. EdenPureDeals.com is the website. You put in the discount code Eric, you buy an Eden Pure Thunderstorm, you're going to get one for free. Greetings, welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, always happy to have you. Reminder tomorrow, uh, right at the beginning of the show, 12.06 p.m. Eastern Time, if you're listening live, Governor Ron DeSantis will be joining me by phone to talk about the launch of his presidential campaign. He will be uh, foregoing the standard major rollout stump speech surrounded by people like Tim Scott, Nikki Haley, and others have done, and will instead uh, be hitting the road, going to Iowa, doing big events in the early states. Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, Nevada. Keep in mind, we're like seven, eight months away from the first votes starting. Now, I, I got uh, to follow up on the story from yesterday about Target. They are now walking back some of what they had planned for their Pride Month. You know, uh, outrage broke out over Target and partnering with a, a group that designs pro-Satanist clothing. And they are now in some states where they think it might offend sensibilities, scaling back their Pride displays or moving them in the store 
Which, you know, I, I got to tell you, there. let's just be honest, there are parts of the country where it, there, people are not going to be offended by a giant pride display. There are plenty of parts of the country where people aren't, but there are parts of the country where people will for religious sensibilities and what have you. Uh, you go to, to Dearborn, Michigan, which is a very high concentration of Muslims, you're probably not going, it's not going to go over well to have a massive pride display at the front of the store. It's also not going to go over well to have a, a pro-Satanist group designing the clothing. Uh, the Associated Press is pushing back some on the idea that Target is making uh, tucking swimwear for kids. But if you actually read the fine print, it's it's clear it's true, but the Associated Press has given them cover. Uh, in any event, uh, Target is, has rethought things. They don't want to wind up like Bud Light, apparently, and in some parts of the country they're realigning their store displays. I uh, I just I I, um, I I had a lot more that I will I could say but I won't. All right. Um. I wish to play you this audio from Representative Bill Johnson about the EV situation. And you mentioned rare earth. The, the, China has seventy five percent of the lithium capacity, yeah. lithium batteries. So we're going to yeah. go to China to transition away from stuff that we have, and that's oil and gas. That's exactly right. We have been, we have, we are more dependent on China today for rare earth minerals and critical materials for the electrification of the transportation system that the Biden administration is pushing. We're more dependent on China for those materials than we've ever been dependent upon OPEC. And you mentioned the cost of an electric vehicle. Let's not forget that when that battery reaches its end of life, number one, we don't have a way to dispose of it yep. or recycle it. Number two, ten to twenty thousand dollars. How many people do you know that can afford ten to twenty thousand dollars to replace the battery? This is becoming a weak point with the Biden administration. It's starting to circulate in polling among the middle class and non-white voters. They do not want to be forced into buying electric cars. Uh, another weakness, along with gas stoves, the GOP intends to play up. When we come back, though, i got to give you an update on the debt ceiling. Negotiators at the White House continuing conversations. Kevin McCarthy beginning to express his frustrations. And Joe Biden mad at the press, not giving him attaboys. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.